0: As we prepare to hear the word of God, we turn once again to our worship folder, this time number 135, number 135, Christ shall have dominion over land and sea, earth's remotest regions shall his empire be. We're going to sing the four verses, number 135. Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Acts chapter 12. Acts 12. We're going to be reading the first five verses and then pick up our reading at verse 20 through the end of the chapter. Acts 12, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivered him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And now verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last but the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we come to the end of our series on this first half of the book of Acts. When we began, we said we're only gonna go through Acts chapter 12. We talked about this book as the Acts of Jesus, the Son of the Father, by the power of the Spirit in the church. Uh, Acts is a book about what Jesus is doing. We saw that that's how the book began, back in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. In Luke's first book, the Gospel of Luke, he described the life of Jesus and his actions here on earth. Now in the book of Acts, we have the description of what Jesus continues to do, although now, after his ascension, what he does from heaven. It's a book about what Jesus does in his church, And we saw again from Acts chapter 1, there was that somewhat programmatic expansion that was planned for the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that serves as somewhat an outline of the book of Acts. First about the church in Jerusalem and then the spread to Judea and Samaria and finally the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. We saw how it began in Jerusalem. And in chapter two of Acts, we had the Pentecost event. Verse, chapter two, verse five. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And uh, as they are there, the spirit falls upon them and we see that spirit given lavishly uh, to the church. That spirit expressing himself in the signs and wonders in chapter 3, the signs and wonders done by Peter and John, and how they described that through preaching. We talked about the preaching in the book of Acts as preaching that exalts Jesus Christ. Although the spirit is active, Christ is the one who is being exalted. As the book continued to unfold, we saw in chapters 4 and 5 the persecution of the church. Peter and John imprisoned and then released. Peter and John, thankful, they were counted worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. We saw that Acts gives us a a glimpse, a picture into the worship and the structure of the New Testament church. The worship in chapter 2 and the structure in chapter 6. As we have the apostles who are doing the teaching and the establishment of the diaconate those who will serve the real physical needs of God's people. We saw in chapter 7 the story of the first martyr in the New Testament church, the story of Stephen. And we talked about preaching that kills, preaching that is so pointed that, that when he preached that way, he was later stoned. And yet even in this, even in this, God would continue to advance His church and advance His kingdom. We read in chapter, chapter 8, verse 1, And there arose on that day, the day of Stephen's uh, martyrdom, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Even in persecution, God would use that for the expansion of his church. And in Judea and Samaria, the church expands. And we saw that that continued in chapter 10, not only in Judea and Samaria, still with its Jewish roots, but in chapter 10, with Cornelius and his household. Even on the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit is now given. Even on the Gentiles, the gospel comes to them. And we have seen this, this outline of the expansion of the church, this growth of the church. This is the history of our church. This, this, these are our forefathers. This is where we come from, that New Testament church, that line continuing even today, as God continues to grow His church, as God's kingdom continues to advance. And so we round out this series tonight by looking at chapter 12 under that theme, Christ. Kingdom advances. Christ is not done with his church. Christ has not left his church, but he continues to work in his church and work through his church to bring glory to God. I said last time that the, uh, the key verse for, for that first half of the chapter was verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him uh, by God, to God by the church. The, the, the key verse in this last half of the chapter. Is verse 24. But the Word of God increased and multiplied. The Word of God increased and multiplied. And we will see that tonight in our look at Acts chapter 12 and how God continues to advance His Word, advance the gospel, advance His kingdom. Christ's kingdom advances in spite of human losses look at verse 1 of chapter 12 about that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church he killed James the brother of John with the sword James the brother of John killed by Herod James and John those two who were named the sons of Thunder Mighty, powerful leaders in the church. And yet yet Herod comes and he kills James with the sword, put to death for the sake of the gospel. This one, this pillar of the church, killed at the hands of Herod. We see Peter at the beginning of this chapter. Verse 3, And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And then verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison. Peter put in prison. Now we saw last week how he would be released from prison, miraculously, by by the power of God. But after chapter 12, Peter really disappears from the story. He shows up a few infrequent places, and of course we have the letters of Peter, but really, in terms of as an actor in the New Testament, uh, Peter is somewhat sidelined at this point. James is killed. Peter, we really don't read about anymore. But the kingdom continues to advance. The word of God increased and multiplied as a wonderful reminder that that although God chooses to use these particular men for the advancement of his kingdom, the advancement of the kingdom is not dependent upon men. It would be the case that in time, all of the apostles would die, but the death of the men was not the end of the church we think of of our own history great men who we revere from the past we think of john calvin we think of martin luther they are dead now but the church remains we think of Kuyper. we think of bovink we think of hodge we think of theologians like burkhoff and murray and Ventil, rc sproul all of them dead now but the church continues It is not dependent upon men. God chooses to use men for the advancement of the gospel, but not dependent upon them. All of them would die. All go to death, but the church remains. Because the cornerstone of the church is not a man, it is the God man, it is Jesus Christ. That one who would come and who would live his life, who would go to death, but that was not the end. He would be brought back to life. He would be raised, and the church is built on that unshakable foundation, that cornerstone. God's church and his kingdom continue to advance in our own midst. We have office bearers who come and office bearers who go. We have ministers who come and ministers who go. But the church continues. The church is not a man-made institution. It is established by God himself. We saw that back in chapter five in the words of Gamaliel when they were wondering what to do about the, the spread of the gospel. Chapter five, verse 38, Gamaliel speaks, so in the present case I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But since it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. The church is no man-made institution. It is established by God himself. In spite of human losses, the church continues. This is our church the church over which Christ continues to rule, continues to advance his claims. Christ's kingdom advances in spite of human losses. Christ's kingdom advances in spite of wicked tyrants. Again, we see at the beginning of this chapter King Herod. King Herod putting James to death, King Herod arresting Peter, and Herod does this to make the people happy. They see that the Jews are pleased when he does these things. Herod, who at the end of this chapter, would take great credit to himself for how great a man he was. Look at verse 21. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. Herod puts on his finest robe. Herod sits on his throne looking majestic and begins to speak to his people. And as he does, the people call out, this is the voice of a God, not the voice of a man. Herod receives the adoration of the crowd rather than giving glory to God. And what happens? Verse 23 Immediately, immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. He was eaten by worms and breathed his last. This great king, this Herod, majestic in his robe, sitting on his throne, struck down by the power of God. This wicked tyrant brought to a bitter death. We can't help but notice the contrast in this chapter from the beginning of the chapter to the end. At the beginning of this chapter, we have James dead and Peter in prison. At the end of this chapter, we have Peter released and James's murderer is now dead. God, through Jesus Christ, advances the kingdom in spite of wicked tyrants, in spite of the king Herod's. We can't also help but notice the contrast in Herod's response to Peter's response a couple chapters earlier. We saw that back in chapter 10, when Cornelius called Peter to come and speak to them. Chapter 10, verse 25, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. How did Peter respond? But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. Peter, who could have taken the the glory to himself, but rather gave the glory to God. I'm only a man. I'm only a vessel. I'm only an instrument, he says. We'll see this same truth played out. In the life of Paul and Barnabas, if we were to go ahead and look at chapter 14 of the book of Acts, chapter 14, verse 11. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news. They would not take the glory to themselves. They would give the glory to God. And instead, serve their God by sharing the good news of the gospel. Christ's kingdom advances in spite of wicked tyrants. Again, when we hear this story of of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, excuse me, of, of, uh, of Herod, our thoughts go back to Nebuchadnezzar, back in the book of Daniel. Remember that story, kids, how Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. A dream of a tree that went up to heaven, but that tree was cut down and the roots were left there and the dew covered the roots and and Daniel comes in and explains the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 4 verse 28, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon and the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. He failed to give glory to God. He thought, he thought the kingdom belonged to him. <clears throat> it was his work, it was his advancement. And the kingdom is taken from this ruler, this Nebuchadnezzar. Read in verse 34 of that same chapter. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Christ's kingdom continues to advance. It is he who rules from generation to generation. Tyrants may come and tyrants may go. But Jesus Christ remains seated on the throne. We read that tonight from Psalm 2. That the nations might rage, but God has established his king. His king on Zion. His king on the holy hill. Oh, there will be that ongoing battle of the kingdoms. And at times, it looks like the kingdom of the world may be winning. Already back in the Garden of Eden, as we see Satan coming and tempting Eve, and she gives into that temptation, and it's they, Adam and Eve sin against God. It appears like the kingdom of darkness is winning, but it only seems that way. In Cain and Abel, we see the kingdom of darkness once again rearing its ugly head. It seems like it may be winning. It only seems that way. Even even in Jesus Christ's crucifixion, the Son of God hanging on a cross condemned. It seemed as if the kingdom of darkness was winning, but it only seemed that way. For Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. Even wicked tyrants could not stop the advancement of his kingdom. His kingdom is preserved and his kingdom is advanced. We see here a transition in the book of Acts to Acts 13 and following where the the, the real missionary focus of the church begins and the word goes out and nations come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That work, that advancement continues today. No, No ruler can stop the church of Jesus Christ. That's a good reminder for us. Our hope for the church does not reside in who is living in the White House, in who is living in the governor's mansion, in who is in the mayor's office. Our hope for the church is in the true and eternal King, Jesus Christ. We have every reason for confidence, we have every reason for hope, for Christ sits firmly on his throne, and even the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. The kingdom continues. The kingdom advances, even in spite of wicked tyrants. The kingdom grows by the power of the Word and the Spirit. The Word of God, verse 24, the Word of God increased and multiplied. The importance of turning again and again to God through His Word. That's one of the reasons that we worship on the Lord's Day, to be instructed in the Word of God. God's Word is the the center of our worship. It, it, It forms the foundation of the songs that we sing. When we take the Psalms on our lips, we are singing the Word of God. It is reflected in the prayers that we pray. And we have the public proclamation of that word, Lord's Day after Lord's Day after Lord's Day, to encourage us and to strengthen us that Jesus Christ remains firmly seated on the throne, even in times of trial, even in times of heartache, even in times of fear and anxiety. We still know we have a king who rules, and we have a king who who reigns by the power of the Word and the Spirit seen in the church, seen in our homes as well. In our homes, we we take time to, to gather around the Word of God. We take time for family devotions where we as parents with our children sit and read the stories of Scripture and help them to understand Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning. Jesus Christ is King even now. The Word of God is powerful and active in our homes, around our dinner tables for our family devotions. It is is in our education, Christ-centered education. We took an offering tonight for Providence Christian College. There are other Christian colleges like that where where the, the, the focus is Christ's kingship and His rule over all creation. And every discipline is taught in the light of that kingship. Every discipline shown how Jesus Christ is ruling over the the structures of the world that God has created We see that word Powerful and advancing the cause of evangelism The word and the spirit Active to grow the Christian church. It's important in our evangelism to begin at times with a with building a relationship making relationships with non-believers. But at some point, the relationship must progress to the point where the word, the gospel is declared. And we share the truth that we know. We share Jesus Christ, a sinner's savior. We share that he came and he died for us and that our sins are now washed away. We are seen as righteous before God. We share the gospel and then we call them to faith and repentance. This is for you too if you embrace this Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Him. Turn away from your sins. Know the assurance of forgiveness. The assurance of life forever. The assurance of belonging to His kingdom. A kingdom that shall always stand. A kingdom that will never fail. Christ's kingdom remains and advances. And that is our comfort and our assurance tonight. Christ's kingdom advances in spite of death, in spite of imprisonment, the losses we see around us. Christ's kingdom advances in spite of wicked rulers. Christ's kingdom advances as that word by the power of the Spirit takes root in our life. And we begin to conform ourselves more and more to the rule of King Jesus. We recognize his claims on our marriages, on our families, on our labor, on our education. We recognize we belong to him in every way. We are part of his kingdom, a glorious kingdom. The book of Acts begins with 11 disciples and about 120 believers. The book of Acts ends with a worldwide church. God does more than they could ever have imagined, and he continues that work today. Jesus Christ sits firmly on the throne. He is the king and head of his church. His church will continue through all times. His kingdom will continue to grow and advance. That's our assurance. That's our hope. That's our comfort. Christ's kingdom. Continues to advance, even today. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we praise you for the work of your son, Jesus Christ. He is seated in Zion on the royal throne. He is ruling over his church. He is ruling over every part of his kingdom, a kingdom that will never end. When we look around us, oh God, it's easy for us to be discouraged at what we see in the world. It's easy for us to be concerned at what we see in the world. But we have every reason for hope and every reason for confidence. For you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will continue to watch over and bless your church. You will continue to advance your kingdom. Oh, we thank you that in your love and by your spirit, you have made us a part of that glorious kingdom your church, your people. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.